CPIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Siemens Smart Grid. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this show as hashtag BYOD and hashtag security. Today's topic is getting past BYOD security concerns, and our guests for today's show are Dan Lerman, who's the Chief Security Officer for the Department of Technology Management and Budget and Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Protection for the state of Michigan. Good morning, Dan. How are you? Good morning, Sanjoy. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I am just doing fantastic. So life is good? Life is great, yeah, except for a little rainy in Michigan today, but uh, all is well. Great, great, great. Thank you so much. It's great to have you. And uh, we have Elaine Starkey, who's the Chief Security Officer for the Department of Technology and Innovation for the state of Delaware. Elaine, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's a great day here in Delaware. Life is good. All right. Great, great. So we've been hearing about BYOD security threats for a long time, and there have even been new reports out that they are saying, the people are saying that uh, they are still lacking, we are still lacking the policies and protection uh, which is required to implement BYOD. We wrote this topic because we wanted to stop peddling fear. So what's the next step towards mastering BYOD and not being afraid of it? To that end, Dan, to start with you, what do you think is the level of BYOD adoption and do you think the security and related policies and education has caught up? Yeah, so certainly in in the government sector, it lags a little bit behind the private sector, but the adoption is is really growing rapidly. Um, You know, we've seen numbers, uh, you know, nationwide uh, really over – 80% 80% of employees, you know, use some um, of their own devices at work, and, and many corporations, over 50% corporations are now utilizing it, you know, in, with a large percentage of their of their employees. So, I mean, my main message to you, Sanjo, would be, first of all, that I really believe BYOD is the new Wi-Fi. It's, it's a technology that, you know, you think back 10 years ago, there was a lot of resistance in security circles and around, you know, Wi-Fi. Now it's ubiquitous. It's everywhere. It's McDonald's. It's, you know, everywhere you go. And uh, and there was a lot of security concerns in the early days of Wi-Fi. And, uh, and my view is that, you know, that the security concerns today are out there, but we're, we're addressing them. And with the appropriate technology, with the appropriate processes in place and, and policies, uh, we, can, we can certainly address um, the concerns around security. So, Elaine, when you look at whatever is we have been doing all along, which is trying our best, educating people, and at the same time trying to adopt and or introduce BYOD to the maximum degree, where do you think is the balance or should we go all the way and then figure out if the, some holes are created, then we work on plugging it, or we should be overcautious and thus also lose opportunities of using this beautiful technology? 
Uh, yeah, well, I don't recommend um, either of those approaches, really. I think there is some sweet spot in the middle, and, and that's the challenge that Dan and I and others have to find, you know, where is that sweet spot to balance uh, the, the tremendous, first of all, you know, BYOD brings uh, a tremendous opportunity for our workforce. Um, just the whole mobility space in general um, brings that, lots of benefits. But, again, it has to be um, rolled out in a, in a very methodical and controlled way. Um, I don't recommend the approach of just, you know, flipping the switch and then trying to come behind and plug the holes. But, a, but instead, a more deliberate, there's lots of great examples across the country, uh, not just in the government space, but in the private sector as well, as ro- of rollouts where we've been able to, you know, um, offer the opportunity, offer the additional functionality to our employees um, in a way that still keeps our data and our infrastructure as secure as possible. So you're saying, Elaine, that we are supposed to find that sweet spot. So are we still scratching our head or would you say there is there is some clarity by now? Yeah, the people I've spoken with, um, you know, I think we're all at different points in our, you know, in our, our, our journey here. So uh, I've, I have spoken to uh, many organizations that have figured this out and um, have found, you know, that, that right, the, the sweet spot and the balance. Um, I do, I talk to a, a number of folks also that are still on the sidelines, and, and I'd like to encourage them to, you know, just get started, get started somewhere, um, they, to, to not to not offer uh, a BYOD a program, I think, is a mistake for organizations. Quite, you know why? I think it's mainly because um, our users are creative and are resourceful, and uh, we may think we're locking things down and preventing things from happening, but um, they're going to find a way. They're going to find a way so that they don't have to carry around three or four devices on their hip. That that is, you know, we we used to do that. There was a day when we all did that, and and many of us have consolidated it down to just the one device. So if IT doesn't offer uh, a road to go down to do that, I'm convinced that the user will figure out, a, whether, even if it's just forwarding everything to their Gmail account, uh, something very low-tech like that, they will find a way to accomplish uh, what, they're, what they're going after, whether IT offers uh, an official uh, program for it or not. So, Dan, based on what Elaine said, that someone, or at least there are a few organizations out there who have nailed it and have got a good handle. So I would like to be competitive. If someone else can do it, why can't I do it or or we do it? So if you were to take your organization and if you had to benchmark that someone out there has nailed it, would you not want to figure out how and then actually have that path very clearly defined and then go for it? Absolutely. No, and I think, you know, just to give credit where credit is due, Elaine in Delaware is really a leader in the nation, certainly in the government space. The White House put out a, a great uh, white paper you can get online and on, on the whole BYOD movement in government. Um, and they've been, you know, really going back to 2010, they say we're piloting. In Michigan, we're piloting now with a, a cross-section of employees across the government, and really um, we're, we're, we've rolled out mobile device management. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And we've rolled out, um, you know, a lot of technology to enable um, 
more secure in all mobile devices, but also certainly in the bring-your-own-device space as well. Um, and I really think, quite frankly, that we, we follow the Delaware model. So, you know, having what, what Elaine's done in Delaware is, is really, I think, the first state government in the nation that's done it very well. And even I know federal government has followed them. We're, we're a little bit behind where Elaine's at, but we are rolling it out, you know, pretty widely in Michigan in a pilot and then full bore next year in 2014. So, Lynn, you were very humble when you said somebody has nailed it. It was you, right? Your organization. <laughs> right? But I'm not so, the only organization that nailed okay, it. Okay, maybe. So, you're not, but, but I, I like your humility. Now, with that said, if you have found that secret sauce, what would that be? So, if you had to enlighten the folks out there, and now rest of the state government uh, organizations are trying to get a good handle and they, have, they are kind of following you, how about the other organizations who could benefit, but they still do not know what makes it work? So if you were to say, these are my three steps to nirvana, what are those? Yeah, well, uh, number one would be first, you know, um, the, goal, the overarching goal should be to find a way to support employees in the way that they want to do their work and, and, and find a way to keep it secure. I mean, that, that was our overarching goal when we got into this. We, we backed into it, uh, Sanjo. I just, I have to admit that we, you know, we, we got in a situation where the, um, a discovery was made that we hadn't locked things down as we thought we, were, and the horse got out of the barn a little bit for us. So we had some devices out there, more than I'd like to, to think about, <laughs> that literally had unfettered access to the state network. Uh, this is several years back. Um, so it became kind of an immediate concern for me and my office to find a way, first of all, to uh, reach out to each one of those individuals. We had a very deliberate communication plan. We uh, made a commitment to ourselves and to them that, you know, you know, traditionally security likes to just say no all the time. And the easy thing that we could have done was to just cut them off, right, to flip that switch back to where it needed to be and to cut off their access. Access. And we opted for a little bit more user-friendly approach, but let's find a way. Let's find a way to do this, but in a way that still meets our, our seven security controls. And I can, I can step through them if you're interested. But basically, we modeled it after what we already enjoyed in the BlackBerry world. We were a BlackBerry shop for many years and enjoyed some very, very tight enterprise-wide security that that solution offered, like uh, requiring passwords and PINs strong pins and pins that expire and device encryption and remote wipe uh, capabilities, just to name a few. So we, we took those, those seven controls that were working so well in the BlackBerry world, and we just kind of evolved them and morphed them into uh, a different architecture where, you know, it wasn't just a single uh, RIM device that was allowed, but instead we off, were able to offer more options to our customers. Now, this is a great example of crisis becoming an opportunity or perhaps a catalyst. So, Dan, do we really need uh, somebody to come and rattle our chain or a situation for us to wake up? Because the, some of the items that Elaine mentioned, and that was very creative for her department to be able to use what they were already using and, and tweaking it, if you will, to get this BYOD animal or beast taken care of. But does that innovation require uh, really a crisis, or now that we know it, we could just charge full, full throttle? I mean, my gut 
answer the answer to that is is we really you know we, we've moved on from you know Elaine I think was describing the early years um, you know we had something similar when our you know our new governor's team came in Governor Rick Snyder in Michigan he brought his Apple you know iPads and iPhones with him and and uh, you know a whole new line of of government officials uh, were bringing devices in and and really putting security around that was a real huge challenge in the early days you know, say three years ago now I think three years on you know I would say some people maybe four or five years on we're really at a point where every organization I think does have a roadmap it, it's it's you know an imperative to have a mobile strategy BYOD is certainly a big part of that strategy. Um, it's not the total strategy. Obviously, there's mobile apps. There's a lot of other aspects of, of mobile security that people need to think of. But, um, you know, yeah, I, I think a roadmap, you know, is, is something that every organization needs. In Michigan, we have a very strong mobile strategy in place, um, and we need to really think in terms of, um, you know, as, as Elaine mentioned, enabling the employee thinking about different roles, you know, a, a, a student part-time is different than an executive, is different than a frontline worker out there, social worker in the field, is different than, you know, uh, maybe a back office uh, tech geek or something. So, I mean, you know, looking at the different roles, and, and for us, one of those backbones was really putting mobile device management in place, and I don't want to be a commercial message for any one vendor. We use uh, Maz 360 from Fiberlink, but there's a lot of great products out there, good, AirWatch, a lot of them, and for us, you know, putting MDM in place enterprise-wide, doing an RFP of a request for proposal out there, you know, finding the right um, security framework around mobile and uh, policies and procedures in place to lock down, you know, that and provide some level of enforcement. I think really every organization needs that, and, and I think most of your listeners probably have that to some extent already. But, you know, uh, strengthening that mobile device management and then application management on mobile devices is, is a, I think, one of the key steps. Let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, when we come back, Elaine, I'd like to uh, basically see if there is a incremental extra areas which BYOD brings as a security concern versus other security concerns that already exist. So yes, we have been using mobile devices. So just because it is BYOD, does it morph into something else? Are there some not an obvious, not as obvious areas that we have to really look for and then build policies and procedures and technology adoption in a certain way to make all this happen? So let's let's explore just that portion, the incremental aspect. When we come back, please stay tuned, listeners. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sun Joe All. 
To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Elaine, specifically, what are those incremental set of challenges that get introduced by BYOD adoption, which may otherwise not be there when you have rest of the enterprise running whatever they are doing? And because even then you had mobile devices and you could have mobile extensions. So what is so special about BYOD? Let's at least inventory those. Sure. Yeah. I mean, some of the things that, that keep me up at night, quite frankly, are, you know, the whole, um, the whole, you know, wide variety of third party, um, applications, uh, some of which are secure, many of which are not secure. And, and, you know, the user then has the ability to, to bring those apps down to a device, that same device where sensitive state data may be residing. There's, there's challenges in tracking the data. There's challenging in keeping the segregation, you know, between the personal side of that device and the and the work side of the device. Um, just this, you know, stolen and lost devices alone. You know, I'm sure you've seen some of the statistics. The last one I saw was a study of seven airports, and 8,000 mobile devices were lost in just those seven uh, airports last year. And you look at laptop; the laptop number is like through the roof. So, um, you know, just the whole risk of the stolen and the lost issue is of great concern. And then, you know, of course, we always have the disgruntled employees, too. So I think it, I think it points to just a broader mobility issue here that, that Dan and I and others are, are, are you know, coming to grips with. Is this, BYOD is just one example of this, this broader mobility issue where the edge of the network is disappearing and the consumerization of IT is taking over. And, and it's up to us to find ways to deliver our services in different ways than we have before um, on different devices um, while still maintaining some sense of security. So you mentioned about lost devices or laptops, and, and I understand from a mobility standpoint, that's why uh, that's where the issues are. But that's the very reason, Elaine, why we said let's go BYOD because nobody's going to steal their own devices. It's more of isolating what they use personally versus what they use for the government or any other business purposes. If we can successfully do that, then life is good. Life is good as long as we know about it and we know about it in time to wipe the device. Um, I wonder if all those 8,000 mobile devices that were lost last year in those seven airports, I wonder how long it took for those users to get contact their IT department to let them know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Sanjo, I'll just add, you know, I think Lane gave a great list there, but I had a couple items to that. I think one of the things, you know, that I cover in my book, BYOD for You, looking at this from the end user's perspective, from the employee perspective, and kind of giving a gold, silver, bronze approach of, of what the end user, employee, or, or you know, student thinks about this whole topic, um, there's also a trust factor. So I mean, it's kind of like the NSA issue that's out there, but, you know, big brother watching me and, you know, what can you see on my device? So getting that balance or that sweet spot about oversight. So clearly, you know, there needs to be, um, uh, you know, separation of the data, as, as Elaine mentioned, 
Um, but, you know, this fear, okay, well, you know, are you watching what I do on nights and weekends with my device? Or, um, and so the balance of accountability, you know, and policy around accountability and transparency, but then also what parts of this is privacy and what can you see and what can you not see? I see some organizations, the way they've, they've, they've handled that, and we've actually, you know, been a challenge here in Michigan and I know in other states, they maybe roll out mobile device management or they roll out some kind of enforcement mechanism just like they would on a state-owned device or company-owned device, but then the BYOD piece, maybe they don't really, you know, what level of enforcement is actually turned on. So there may be capabilities in their mobile device management product, but perhaps they're not actually, you know, are they, I mean, I think most people turn on, you know, you have to use a password, you have to, as you know, maybe encrypt the data, you have to, um, automatically wipe it if, it, you know, so many times it's, you know, the, you get the password wrong or whatever, some basic functionality. But maybe they don't turn on all the advanced functionality because there's fear that the employees are worried about monitoring. And so, that you know, getting that trust right, I think, between the enterprise so that the enterprise can manage the device, provide the right level of security, and yet not be deemed as big brother um, in that mobile device and that personal side, I think there's still challenges around there in that whole trust area. So, I couldn't agree um, more, Dan. I think you, you nailed that. It, it, it's exactly right. It's a it's a fine line when when that device is used for both work and for home. And uh, it, you know, granted, it, it they are signing up for it. They are saying that I'm willing to give you know a portion of my personally owned device and and use it for work purposes. And along with that comes some responsibilities. But it is a very blurry line between you know where where the state or where any organization starts and stops. So if we are going to bank too much, and this is a question for you, Dan, if we were to start expecting a user to take responsibility of an enterprise leader such as you to say, you got to be responsible, you got to follow the rules, God bless all of us, that's not going to happen. So to what degree can we literally say our technology, the way it's available, and uh, whatever way we are actually creating that uh, layer between what a person uses for personal use as well as uh, business use, if if we are able to somehow isolate it, then we are not hoping that a human who has well intention or malintentions is going to be influencing or controlling how we live from one day to another. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's... We I can't blame. I'm, this is what I'm saying, that we cannot blame a human being and have the issues happen if if you're going to roll something out then responsibility is ours isn't it i think it's the responsibility on both sides you know it's mm -hmm. it's it, it's clarity and those policies you ask about what policies are left and where is this you know what challenges are left and i as, as elaine said i think it's really important that different organizations different governments are are different places in this journey. I think some organizations have been doing it for years. It's all their employees. They've got it down to a science. The expectations are real there. Um, you know, in, in government, you know, way back when we built our policy 10 years ago, there was no expectation of privacy on, on company email, for example. So people understand that. But then they separated that from their home life and their home personal device, right? I think you can talk about containerization. You can talk about, you know, two virtual sides to the device. I think we're getting better at that. You can talk about trust, um, but there's still this, this you know, going to be a constant 
discussion, if you will. And part of it is, you know, um, the role of the technology department, uh, the leadership in the organization to, to, to lay out what we will and won't do, clarity around that, um, transparency in the same way we have to have transparency in our financial markets and transparency in, in so many things in, in areas of life. Um, you know, they say, you know, we don't allow insider trading. We don't, in other areas of life, there are examples of this. And yet, yes, you do have people that are, you know, arrested for insider trading, right? So I don't think this is ever going to be a black and white answer. I think there's going to be shades of gray. I think this is going to be an ongoing challenge as we progress with BYOD. So if you had to do the math, Elaine, if you are saying that I wanted to make sure that mobile devices were secure, even if they were owned by the corporations or, or the organization, and then in order to make sure that we are having fewer losses and other issues with privacy, et cetera, et cetera, we went to BYOD as a solution. Now, BYOD has still some challenges, or maybe it introduces some new challenges. So do you think we are still coming out ahead in the game by introducing BYOD, or it is taking us two steps back? Um, yeah, I think, oh, I mean, I guess if I just put my pure security hat on, Sanjay, I would say, you know, um, it, where, are, where are opportunities to reduce the risk, the risk of data leakage, the risk of data loss, the risk of inappropriate uh, information getting in inappropriate hands? Um, if we were to do everything we could do to prevent that, yeah, we, we would probably no longer support mobile devices. <laughs> that's for sure. But that's just not practical. We're not going to do that. Um, we, we've been, I, I agree with Dan's comment before. It, and, and Dan and I compare notes on a number of things. <clears throat> and one of the things we share in terms of our strategic planning process is, is the whole notion of people and process and technology. It's the fundamental core of, of our strategic plan. I think it's, it's very important in Michigan as well. And, um, you know, we, we've got great technology. We've got great process and policy, and it can just do so much. And, and people in any organization are always your greatest asset, but in this case, they're also our weakest link as well. And, um, you know, dumb things happen, and whether intentional or unintentional, and we certainly, you know, can't do everything. We can't lock down at all just through, peop- just through process and technology. We've got to have the people component in there, too. And Sanjay, if I would just add one quick thing to that, is you know, I I I think the answer is yes, you can reduce risk with BYOD in this sense. I mean, the pure move from you know state-owned devices to BYOD devices, it sounds like you're getting less secure, but in reality, you're taking what I call shadow BYOD out from the shadows. So there are people already bringing in their own devices. They're using them under the desk. There are probably corporations listening to this right now. There are there are governments, and your people are bringing in. Whether you allow it or not, are they doing it? Are they, you know, in, you know, in some cases, are they, are they actually, hopefully not, hopefully you have IT policy in place to stop this, but are they syncing with your email system? Are they connecting to your systems with their own devices? And you, and you don't even know about it. So bringing in a BYOD formal policy and saying, okay, look, I'm going to enable this, but I'm going to put some security around it. I'm going to put some policies around it. I'm going to put some mobile device management around that device. I'm going to actually manage this 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 um, trend is actually strengthening security. And I think that's the key thing is taking that shadow IT out of the shadows and really bringing it in and saying we're going to manage this. 
So Dan, based on what you just said, since you understand the space pretty well, you look at under the hood and kind of get into details. So you're able to sleep at night because of that clarity. Do you think people who are at the stakeholder level who are saying, you asked me to make an investment of X number of million dollars in order to make sure that we are in a secure environment. And now that you have invested that, you still say that I still have some things which are not going to be secure. or Maybe it is going to introduce a new type of security. Do they really digest it that easy? It's, it's, constant, it's, a constant, uh, it's a constant challenge. You know, to me, I, I think one of the things that, you know, we do in Michigan around mobile and BYOD, but in all areas of security in the enterprise, is really, um, you know, explain, and, and I think part of that is, in, is, is intelligence, risk intelligence, what's going on around the world, the, the, the attackers, you know, we reports from the Symantec's and the McAfee's and the SOFOs, the security companies, these, you know, the, the show them statistics around, you know, rising numbers of mobile attacks. I mean, I have some statistics here, you know, some, some really big numbers, you know, 39% of data breaches involve employee mistakes, 40% um, of data breaches occur when a mobile device, a laptop, smartphone, tablet, USB drive is misplaced or stolen, 37% um, account are from malicious attacks, and 24% from system malfunctions. I mean, those are from Symantec's re- recent report. I mean, the reality is is that we're in a world where technology is changing fast and the bad guys are getting better. Um, and so there's new things we can do. We want to enable those. We want to use cutting-edge technology. I think it can make our businesses more effective and efficient. At the same time, as the bad guys get better, they're always trying to get, get into, your, into your data. And so it is an ongoing, almost like an arms race right now. Um, and I think you've got to make that key um, case to management, to the executives. We're very fortunate in Michigan, and I know in Delaware, Del- um, uh, Lane's got management that really do understand this. Our governor in Michigan you know, was um, former CEO of Gateway Computers. He understands the, the cyber risk. He actually, you know, has helped lead the National Governors Association around this topic um, across all 50 states. So, I mean, getting that executive buy-in is, is something that is needed um, to get the funding, to get the priorities and the resources, and it's got to be a constant part of your, of your program to, to, to continually give them data and real, you know, information that they need to be able to, to, to support you. Now, Elaine, you did implement a certain things which you mentioned in terms of your BlackBerry-inspired uh, playbook, if you will. How long <laughs> yeah. did it take? And after that you're done, are you out for vacation since there is only thing which is left is to just plain educate people about policies and hope they will do the best they can? Oh, yeah. I've been on vacation ever since we rolled it out. <laughs> um, how long did it take? We we basically took um, about a eight month period to well. First of all, we we stopped the bleeding. The 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 incident that I described before was you know there was a strong sense of urgency on that. We we as I said we had unfettered access to the state network, which is completely unacceptable and against policy. We closed the gap on that very quickly. But then, in turn, made a commitment to roll out the new procedure. It took us about eight months from start to finish. There were several waves. We went through, you know, each device. One of the challenges. 
challenges here is the, the myriad of different devices and manufacturers and, and operating systems and all. So we actually just broke it up into some manageable chunks and did um, different waves of rollouts until uh, and when we completed it just last, just earlier this year, the ultimate completion yes, milestone was when we retired the old BlackBerry Bez server. Um, so we're completely, as of mid-year 2013, we're out of the BlackBerry world, and um, our, our, our customers, our users have the option to either use a state-owned device, a uh, state-purchased device, or their own uh, personal device. And if they, they go down the personal route, they are required to, um, we, we push, we, we, this is not an optional thing, we push those seven security controls that I mentioned earlier out to their device as part of the synchronization process. And they also have to sign an acknowledgement form that basically kind of lays out the responsibilities the additional responsibilities that they are taking on by using their device uh, in that manner. So uh, I would say from start to finish, uh, Sunjo is probably about a, um, an 18-month window from the time of discovery to the time of getting out of the BlackBerry world. Let's take a quick break, listeners, when we come back. So, Dan, maybe I'll ask the second part of the question in terms of suppose we have done all things we could do related to technology, and now we are left with the policies and the management. What are better ways to make sure that people start following? Is it like just keep hammering the message over and over? Are there other creative ways when you've seen people become more receptive and start following uh, in the best interest of everyone involved? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, uh, Dan, it looks like there is a predictable path and some structure to this madness if you talk from a technology standpoint on how and what we can do uh, to take care of the BYOD-related issues. When it comes to the policy and the human element, that's where it looks like we have uh, challenges or something we do not have a complete grasp on. So what is it that you feel should be done so that we if cannot even eliminate, if suppose we are not able to eliminate, at least minimize and be on top of it? 
Yeah, so one thing we've done in Michigan is, you know, we, we took a hard look at our whole security training approach for all employees and also for our technical staff. And uh, we've really kind of, to be quite blunt, found, uh, we did some surveys, talked to employees, and what we heard was, you know, that the stuff we were offering was out of date, was boring, was kind of death by PowerPoint, and was really kind of uh, a waste of time, quite frankly. So we actually took an approach in Michigan with our overall security training. This is mobile, but this is really everything that an employee does. Really threw it all away and started over from scratch, and really, we now uh, went out, did an RFP, did some research. The goal was to provide, you know, short, brief, intriguing, fun, interesting, engaging, and relevant data that's timely. And so it sounds pretty radical. It was a big radical change for us. We completely threw away our other training. We now offer that. We actually use a company called Security Mentor, which is, again, there are, there are several great companies out there that do this, but really short, brief, interactive. We didn't. We didn't want videos because we found that people were using videos. They were just kind of going down the hall, using the restroom, getting a cup of coffee, coming back and seeing that the video was done yet. Um, but really providing interactive training that was really relevant and that really drove home the policies. And our feedback so far has been outstanding. Our, our previous training, we really had less than 4,000 uh, state employees take the training. We've had over 50,000 state employees take the training uh, of this new new program, and it's been overwhelmingly positive. Um, and we just recently got a NACIO award from the National Association of State CIOs for the training program. So I think really taking a hard look at your training approach for end users is key, making it engaging and constantly updating it and making it relevant to people. So, Elaine, when you look at your environment, that for the most part it looks like the technology portion has been handled. And based on what just Dan said, yes, you know, there are there are value, valuable lessons learned by all people in terms of how you will make any policy getting adopted. So do you think there is an incremental approach to you making people become a little more responsible so that when you roll out the next set of policy updates, et cetera, it's not going to be the same human-oriented challenges that you would face in any particular situation like this? Yeah, I think there is a natural progression, as you describe. I think uh, people do get wiser and smarter as we roll out different programs. Um, the the awareness component uh, will never stop, though. Uh, you know, it's definitely, it, and it is a challenge. It's a challenge to find new and creative and different ways to send sometimes the same message <laughs> to the employees, you know, month after month. We, we use newsletters. We use posters. We use uh, training approach to all executive branch employees in Delaware are required to go through a, a training, an annual training, uh, and mobile device protection is just one component of that training. But um, one thing that we have found that's really effective is um, even if, you know, even if, if employees don't necessarily uh, pay close attention to doing the right thing at work. They want to do the right thing to protect their personal information or their their personal files or, you know, things things outside of work. And we use that as a hook, <laughs> quite frankly. It will start off a newsletter or some type of communication and lure them in by talking about their, you know, protection of their personal information and then, you know, make the, the transition to to the, the protection of work data as well. And that's a new angle we've tried recently that's been fairly effective. 
So um, now, Dan, if you were to go back and try to look at your role, has that been seen as someone who is trying to be a damper or creating a, a, a hindrance to the innovation and execution by your counterparts? Maybe like in Kyoyorkis, you're a government, so you could have uh, you know other uh, government officials as well as your CIOs and others because they are also being charged to move at 100 miles an hour. And anything that you bring which is going to require anyone to slow down is frowned upon. How are you managing that aspect? Sure. Well, I mean, I, I, I think that um, it's a constant challenge, but we really have, um, as I mentioned earlier in the program, taken a, an approach of we're enablers. Our goal, our purpose is to enable secure whatever, secure BYOD, secure Wi-Fi, secure cloud computing, you know, enable and not disabled. As, as Elaine said, stop saying no. I kind of learned that lesson early days as a CISO. I almost lost my job over it when I tried to shut down our Wi-Fi program 10 years ago. That's why when I say, you know, BYOD is the new Wi-Fi, it's easy, you know, for security professionals or for IT leaders to say no to new technology. Oftentimes, it, you know, you think, well, I'm buying time. I can kind of, you know, run the clock out or I can stall. Um, the reality of it is, as, as Elaine mentioned earlier, you've got to get on board the boat. Um, this boat has left the dock just like cloud computing has, and I think no one on the, you know, listening would say Wi-Fi, and it's now ubiquitous. But, you know, 10 years ago, we fought Wi-Fi, and, and, and we fought, and we said it's not secure. And there were plenty of war stories to back that up, by the way, Sajob. I mean, it was really, you know, there were stories of people in parking lots stealing cash register streets, you know, at Home Depot and all those guys. And all those things did happen, and, and there, were, there are real security issues. So clearly, we've got more to, more to do in BYOD. But, I mean, I think the message, we have really worked closely with our implementation team to say, how do we take, you know, a, you know, a, a really um, a best practice process around, you know, do a market search, uh, use Gartner and Forrester and others to find the best products, do an RFP. We selected a vendor. Um, there's many good products out there. And then really implement that in a way that's going to enable secure bring your own device to work. And, and, and so I think we are seeing that way. I will tell you that it, there's no doubt about it that there's, um, there's, there's almost like a cyber cop mentality around the role of a, of a chief security officer. Um, you, you know, nobody likes to get pulled over and given a speeding ticket. So there are times when that's part of the role. But by and large, the role of the police is to protect and to enable and to, you know, provide a, you know, to, to reduce crime and provide an environment where business can thrive, right? And that's the same thing in the, in the, in the cyberspace. So from my, my perspective, you know, certainly I, I hope and I, and I preach to my team that we are enablers and, and we're enabling secure technology uh, deployment. So, Elaine, the security team will, of course, be admired and respected when they would stop someone who may be trying to get a new technology out or a new business functionality out. And uh, if you are invited to kind of certify it, you're not certifying it based on, oops, this could go wrong or that could go wrong, and it is a little more objective. So do you think today the way BYOD is, and there are a lot of known and unknown fears, if you will, and your paycheck and your team's paycheck is on the line, would, would you say you have a very predictable and a clear, concise checklist which could be utilized, and it's very transparent to all people concerned, which can be looked at and, and utilized to certify 
a functionality and application or an initiative for it to not be introducing more uh, risk than it already had before we implemented it? Uh, yeah, we have many of those checklists and, and, and a, a fairly rigorous vetting process to do exactly what you're describing, uh, whether it's BYOD or, or another area. But certainly uh, one of the things I tell my team all the time is this is a race with no finish line here. And although while we may feel good about our checklist today that, that we're covering all ground and, and, and mitigating as much risk as possible, there's always, there's always new threats coming out. There's always new ways of looking at it or new, new vendor options or solutions or techniques that we need to stay abreast of. And, and so it's an evolving, it's an evergreen checklist and, and process flow. Um, to make sure that we don't sit back and get lazy and and get hacked, quite frankly. Yeah, and Sanjay, if you don't mind, I'll just quickly go through 10 items in the 10 steps of BYOD security that I actually mentioned in my BYOD for you uh, guide um, online. But, you know, use screen lock on your device. Use a PIN, preferably a complex password. Uh, configure your device to automatically lock after 10 minutes or less. Um, install or activate one or more mobile security apps to fight malware. Limit or avoid placing sensitive data on your device, especially without encryption in place. So we try and you know, use the cloud as much as possible. Um, again, how much sensitive data you have on there would obviously you have encryption. Um, encrypt the device as a default. Only download apps from reputable websites or known app stores. Uh, keep your device software up to date with the latest versions of OS and apps. Back up your data to another computer or cloud provider. Make sure Bluetooth, GPS, or Wi-Fi are turned off when you're not using them. Practice good online security etiquette as far as clicking on links, etc. And then when connecting to employee app, employer apps, set up your device as a thin client to access your data, connect back to the corporate network uh, using a VPN. So those are just some of the tips, but there's a lot of great lists out there online. Your listeners can go, um, but I wanted to give some practical tips to people who are listening. Uh, this is great. So let's stay, uh, please stay tuned, listeners. When we come back, let's look at, because Elaine mentioned that there was uh, a set of checklists that were created and very rightly, uh, Elaine also mentioned that this is, there's no finish line, so we have to keep working. Now, with that said, a leader is very lonely. So if Elaine's group has actually implemented security, BYOD security, and it looks like it's working well and the checklists that were used are looking appropriate, how do we know if we are the best? How do we know if there is something missing? What is that pursuit of the unknown that has to continue in what fashion so that we are really uh, meeting the highest possible standards? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back and explore. The U.S. and Canada represent just 5% of the global population, but collectively we consume about 35% of the world's resources. Supply is not keeping up with demand, so change is not an option, it's imperative. Siemens brings knowledge to power through modernization, responsible energy consumption, and greening the grid projects. Siemens Smart Grid has the answers. Just Google Lead the Charge Portal. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You 
listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, Dan, uh, what do you think could be done by a leader like yourself to look for that ultimate checklist or ultimate benchmark, which will allow them to at least feel confident enough that if they are certifying an application, this they have done the best job they can? Because you mentioned about checklists and things available online, and I'm sure I don't want to bank on Google to run my government. Sure. So, I mean, I'll start, and I know Elaine's got some ideas as well, but you know, we use uh, NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology. Uh, they have, they're putting out a framework around security in all levels, and that's being up- updated right now. In fact, there's a happens to be an open comment period for the latest uh, version of that that's available online. So we do use uh, standards organizations uh, with checklists. We certainly work with our vendor partners. So, you know, we work with Apple and their, and their um, you know, eStore and, and, uh, and our other vendor partners as we use different apps. Um, and we also work with, you know, Gartner and Forrester. So we're, we're constantly upgrading not only our strategic plan and our, and our um, mobile plan and strategy, but our BYOD standards. So um, I think it's a, it's, it's, there's not one list that we have. We have several different checklists. Um, we have selected some vendor partners and try and stay up with what they're recommending and, and, and maximizing the use of the technology that they have deployed and that we purchased already, but then also looking wider at you know organizations like Gartner and Forrester and then also looking at NIST and other federal checklists. So, Elaine, if you were to start saying, I'm going to tell my team to go to the next level, what are you doing to invest in your team so that they are not just sitting on their laurels and or they're growing, they're growing an inch taller every day, they're learning more about the outside environment versus just working inside out? Yeah, absolutely. That's critical. And, and I, uh, we also subscribe to some of those same checklists and standards that Dan just mentioned, um, including NIST and including ISO as well. I think for us, what, what's been effective is to, you know, use them as models, work them into our own Delaware specific policies and procedures, um, and then come behind it all and, and audit for compliance. And that could be in a variety of different ways. That could be a, an internal penetration testing effort um, run internally. It could be done with an external provider. It could be part of a, a larger audit, you know, a larger statewide audit. But there's all kinds of controls. You know, it's it's the it's the trust but verify model. You know, let's let's get the 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 policies, procedures in place, the technology in place that we're comfortable with. But let's stay vigilant and let's come behind it and audit for compliance. So, so Dan, when we look at the what Elaine mentioned is basically what we will do. Now, let's talk about the very team members that you have because you're only as good as your team. Yep. How do you make sure that they are at the top of their game? And yes, we can say we send them to training courses, but there has to be something beyond that because they are looking at learning about things which nobody else in the world knows about, which is the next danger which people with malintention will bring. 
Great question. And, and, you know, we, I mentioned earlier about our end user training that we've overhauled. Another thing we've overhauled here in Michigan is our technical training. We started something called the Michigan Cyber Range, which is not just, we provide certifications around, you know, pen testing and, and certified, um, uh, different, you know, certified security professionals and those kinds of, of classes. But then they also do team training. You know, we, we, we've done a number of different tabletop exercises as teams. We've run, um, uh, live kind of, um, uh, attack, defend, and capture the flag kind of exercises where, you know, you really test skills and abilities to attack and defend uh, in networks in kind of real time and, and work as teams, in, you know, in, in that kind of an environment. And so, you know, and I know Delaware has as well. We've been active in things like Cyberstorm 1, Cyberstorm 2, 3, and 4. So there's been four levels of this. So participating in national exercises, participating in tabletop exercises as teams, and then really kind of overhauling the way we train as well because I just say, you know, my background had been in federal government and, and, you know, three-letter agencies in Washington, and there was a a culture of research, development, test, and evaluation of always trying to get a new black box and and, and test it out in the lab. In state governments, that hasn't always been available because we haven't had the funding or the resources. So we really saw that as a big gap here in Michigan and went out after, you know, really building an environment uh, with our partners in the private sector. Merit Networks runs the cyber range but to really provide an environment where we can attack and defend and test and, and bring new black boxes in and try them out and, and try and stay, you know, at, at, at the leading edge. Now, Elaine, it's almost like running you as a CIO, as you mentioned that you're running towards. You're running like a marathon runner but in a sprint mode, and that <laughs> could be tiring. And, and there is no finish line, so, you know, we, we really have to sympathize with the role. With that said... What do you think has to be the psyche, the training, the, the coaching, or, or whatever support that a CISO or CSO requires in today's day and age, whether they are handling the BYOD security-related challenges or everything else that they are to deal with? Yeah, that's a great question. I think um, what we have discovered, and I don't think this is unique to our environment, it may be unique to the IT environment, is, um, you know, it's, it, IT employees are sometimes incented in different ways than other other sectors. And uh, we've, we've established some certification programs for all of our information security officers here in Delaware, so they just don't, aren't encouraged to to take a few training classes, but they're also encouraged to pursue the certification, you know, meet some minimum requirements, meet minimum requirements to get the, um, to, to achieve certifications. We've gotten creative with funding to, to bring in uh, industry standard certifications like CISSP, a CISSP boot camp, and then um, added to it, sweeten the deal for our, our IT employees so that they have a financial incentive on their part or their agency's part to not just sit through the boot camp, but actually go and sit for the exam and and actually achieve the certification, not just take the training. And uh, that seems to be that that seems to be working so far. We've seen a, a definitely an upswing in the number of uh, participants in those type of programs. 
So, Dan, one last question. What do you think is should be the message for all CISOs and CSOs, whether government or in commercial organizations who are trying to handle BYOD and still it looks like a race without the finish line? I like that phrase that Elaine used. Yeah, I, I, the message is very simple, actually. Get in the game. You know, it, it's always easy to sit in the upper deck of a stadium and watch and say, I could do it better. But, you know, when you're out down there on the field and you're fighting in the battle, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's always a little different. And so wherever you're at in the journey, I think different states are different places. We learned a lot from Elaine in Delaware. We're moving forward in Michigan. I know, um, you know, there's always reasons why. You know, some agencies don't want to participate or, you know, but there are many others that do. So don't let um, the naysayers, you know, keep you from competing in the game. You know, and the game use, you know, quotes around that. But, you know, the reality is just like Wi-Fi, just like cloud computing, just like big data now. I mean, these are trends. You talk to all the vendors, you know, mobile is the future. Everyone's got a smartphone. Um, They're getting faster. They're getting more powerful. We're heading to the Dick Tracy watch, you know, the, the Google glasses and all the rest of it. And so the reality of all this is that, you know, it's going to continue to to move forward and we need to be prepared. The way you learn is by getting involved and getting engaged um, and and take steps. Don't just sit back and watch. Uh, If if you're not participating, you need to get in. If If you are, take the next step. Elaine, 10 seconds, three words from you, the top three things leaderships should keep in mind as CISOs and CSOs when they're handling BYOD security. Uh, fo- uh, probably more than three words, but focus on the employee needs, tap into others, and the, uh, take time to plan and budget and, and develop a strategy. On behalf of the show and our listeners, thank you so much, uh, both of you, Elaine and Dan, for sharing your thoughts on how uh, organizations can work towards getting past BYOD security concerns and help support innovation and growth. Thank you so much again. And uh, listeners, please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Siemens Smart Grid.